0: Co-worker of yours.
4: Channel Q. Good morning and welcome to The Morning Beat. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a fantastic show coming up for you today. It's Therapy Thursdays. We're going to be joined by Anna Poss a little bit later on in the show talking about uh, how to heal uh, broken relationships, uh, how to move forward and things that seem sticky. Uh, it's a conversation that many of us can relate to. She's going to be joining us later on in the show. Uh, also, we've got Ryan Basham joining the program for Red, White, and Q. Why on earth are we banning books in schools? But Joe Rogan seems to be just fine what's going on there Vanessa? Does my audio sound funny to you yeah sounds i know babe. it too.
2: sounds funny over here too
4: yeah there it is there's my audio i don't use that mic oh i do i do use that mic <laughs> there it is that's how the morning started off oh they fixed this one it's back it's back this was gone for a little bit and now it's back and now i'm on this mic because remember it said it was broken and then it was gone for a day or two Ah, this is the mic I like to use. I'm so sorry. It's a natural habit. Hey, welcome to the morning beat. I'm on the right mic now. So thank you for clarifying that for me, Vanessa. I apologize to you for leaning into the wrong mic. Uh, we do have a great show coming up for you. If you did not hear me the first time, it's Therapy Thursdays. We've also got Ryan Basham talking about Joe Rogan not getting canceled when everything else seems to be getting canceled, like books and things like that. Uh, but, Right now, it's time for News on the Beat. What do you have for us?
2: So, recent data from the UK Health Security Agency has revealed that heterosexual people in the country are now contracting HIV at higher rates than gay and bisexual men. In 2020, 49% of new HIV cases were diagnosed in heterosexuals, while 45% were diagnosed in gay and bisexual men. Experts say that the rise in cases among heterosexuals can in part be attributed to the fact that this group does not feel as at risk for contracting HIV, and so does not take the proper precautions. For example, the data shows that in 2020, As a result of the pandemic, HIV testing and bisexual health services decreased 33% among heterosexuals and only 7% among gay and bisexual men. The head of the U.S. CDC is standing by the agency's mask guidelines emphasizing that now is not the time to change the recommendations or loosen restrictions aimed at preventing COVID-19. The CDC still recommends that all schools encourage students to wear well-fitting masks consistently and while indoors, and that's consistent with our guidance that still also recommends that people mask in public indoor settings in areas of high or a substantial transmission. CDC Director Dr. Roche. Shel Walensky a growing number of states from California to Delaware have announced this week their intentions to drop indoor mask mandates in the coming days. Some others, like Connecticut and New Jersey, are eliminating mask mandates in schools. Now, according to the CDC, 99% of U.S. counties still have high levels of coronavirus transmission. Walensky said she was cautiously optimistic about case numbers dropping from the peak of the Omicron surge, but said that at the moment those numbers Numbers are still too high for the agency to consider lifting any mitigation measures.
4: All makes perfect sense, not really.
2: Listen, I think a lot of people were excited about not having to wear their mask. I have said multiple times I want to show off my lips, but at the end of the day, I do want everybody to feel super safe. And I think even if people say, okay, you don't have to, many people are going to say, we're going to, we want to be safe. It's still just too risky, and I think it is.
4: I feel like in L.A. County, we've been wearing them for two years nonstop. Yeah. And everybody else in the rest of the country has been wearing them for a few weeks. And they're like, yeah, we did our part. Yeah. And we're like, come on.
2: I literally had a friend of mine, uh, friend is a loose word. She flew in from Florida to see this show and she posted on social media and was kind of bragging that she's the only person in in L.A. not wearing her mask.
4: Yeah, that's awesome. And I was
2: like, okay, girl, good for you. Really sticking it to the man.
4: We're a tourist attraction and we're led by liberals, which is fine, but also we're a tourist attraction. People come from all over the world and they get here and they do what they do back home, which is not wear a mask. And then we have infection numbers go up and then we keep doing this cycle.
2: Between L.A. and Vegas also, another tourist attraction, they come in and they do not want to wear their masks and people are getting sick and people from Vegas come to L.A. It's a mess. Just wear your mask if you can. It's not a big deal. Okay, let's get into weather. It's going to be a high of 54 in Kansas City, 72 in Houston, 86 in Palm Springs, 75 in Vegas, 90 in L.A. today, and 54 in New York. Now give us a vibe of the day.
4: Quality is not an act. It is a habit.
2: Love that.
4: All for it.
5: Good morning, B. Channel Q.
4: All right, so Adidas is be the, being either uh, hailed as revolutionary and being applauded by some or dragged for being pornographic by others, depending on how you view this issue. Uh, either way, they're doing something very pro- provocative and, and pushing a conversation forward that is long overdue. Uh, they've set social media ablaze mm-hmm. with this new ad Uh it's talking about this new bra feature they have. Now, Now, if you play sports and you're a female, you understand maybe that getting a sports bra that fits you properly is very difficult. Uh, women are all different shapes and sizes. I had a girlfriend back in the day, a friend who was a girl, not a girlfriend. Uh, and she, I remember her saying she had to wear three sports bras sometimes to play soccer. She was a large breasted girl. Uh, she was 17, 18 years old at the time and couldn't find anything that gave her the support. Well, this ad is basically a whole bunch of bare breasted women like 20 or 30 of them uh, in a big just like box next to each other. All different shapes, sizes, colors, and, and it's beautiful. But some people are really, really upset about this. I know you have thoughts. You're an athlete, um, and and this is important. Why?
2: Well, I played soccer growing up. And any sport you played, even a cheerleader, I remember when we were like 10, 11, nobody had boobies, nobody cared. We just wore sports bras because we wanted to wear them. But as we got older, I watched a lot of my friends, and I'm sure people can relate with just girlfriends that they had like you did, that their breasts got really large and you don't know what to do. Now you're wearing two sports bras, three sports bras. It's really uncomfortable. And it's also something that creates an insecurity. Also, if you play something like uh, softball or you play volleyball where you're forced to have to keep your your hands clenched together. You're like squeezing your breasts. It's really uncomfortable. Right, you're
4: jumping up and down in volleyball. And I mean, that's just a lot. It's just a dis- the distribution of weight alone.
2: It is. It's a lot. It's a lot. And so I think that it's incredible that there's 43 new styles that Adidas is putting out because it's not something as basic as being able to grab a sports bra from Costco. Like, wish it was, but it's not. Saying I'm a 34D just isn't enough anymore. There's women that are really petite with big breasts. There's women that have uneven-sized breasts. There's women that want to run track and field and just genetically have larger breasts. And so I think with this campaign... I think it's beautiful. I think Adidas is just trying to normalize the conversation about breasts and stop treating them like it's uh, porn or something bad. I mean, if we could just look at breasts as something that we use to literally feed Children, yeah. They are attached to our bodies and should not stand in the way of us wanting to do anything. Listen, I've had 17 boob jobs, okay? So I know what it's like to go from a B to a double D to a B again. And... It's super uncomfortable. The back aches that you have if you have large breasts, the way they dig into your shoulders. Nobody wants to focus on sports. And, and I think it's just normalizing a really needed conversation. Yeah,
4: and one father wrote uh, on, on Twitter, said, as a father of two daughters that played sports, this is way overdue. Thank you. A lot of girls give up sports because they can't find the right fit to stay comfortable. But then I see other comments like this one woman who wrote something like, are we going to expect an ad like this about male genitalia next? And like, it's comparing apples and oranges. But let's compare that- let's compare it to male chest or breasts because that is the same comparison actually and men are shirtless all the time in ads and it's actually glorified. So the idea that we can't see a woman's breasts because ooh that's so weird and creepy is just so strange to me. Nobody's showing nobody's showing a vagina in this ad. You know what I mean? That would that would be the equivalent to male genitalia.
2: Yeah. Well and also speaking of men in sports bras, men are actually wearing sports bras in soccer. Uh one of my good friends, her husband is a pro soccer player and they wear these things that look like sports bras, but they're actually to regulate your heart while playing the game Mm-mm. to make sure that you're hydrated, to make sure that your heart's working okay. And so Now even men are starting to wear sports bras. Does it make sense to show a men's penis? No, because I don't believe, I'm not a man. It hinders in any way the way that you play sports. All we're talking about is trying to be able to do really athletic things and have the proper support. And I think it's even more problematic when women say, well, why do we need to have this conversation It may make you uncomfortable because you may have grown up in a household where we didn't talk about that. I didn't talk about that. I went and bought my own first bra. But that's why we're having the conversations now.
4: Well, it's so ingrained in our culture. And that's why so many women are so like you see a lot of women attacking this ad. On social media, it's because that's how they were raised is what they believe. Maybe they never had this experience or maybe they just think that they have to just deal with it because that's what you're supposed to do. You just deal with certain things in the world. Well, guess what? You don't have to deal with everything. And Adidas has 43 options for you right now. Uh, to make life a little bit easier, if you're a female athlete or just want a little bit more support, maybe you're not even an athlete. Maybe you just I know a lot of women who just wear sports bras yeah. because they're large-breasted and they're more comfortable, and you don't have to worry about the wiring and the, the snaps. And it's just it's a different fit. So uh, I, I think this is fantastic. I love it.
2: I did too, and I think it's important to note that the ad where these women's breasts are showing, we're not looking at like your conventional breasts. These are women of all sizes, shapes. Uh, And they're not
4: showing their entire bodies. They're not showing their faces. They're just showing their chest. Yeah. That's it.
2: I think it's amazing. And kudos to the dad who... uh, tweeted yeah. about his father about oh, his daughters oh yeah i love I think that's that so
4: fantastic because sometimes and this is the sad truth sometimes in the way that our world is set up and the way that our country is set up sometimes it takes men speaking up for women and that's so crappy but it is what it is and and i think tweets like that go a long way
2: totally all right coming up one of the stars of just like that was cut from interviewing on a late night talk show because he was gay find out who it is coming up and what's popping. The Morning
4: Beat, Channel Q. You're listening to The Morning Beat. It's time for our first round of What's Poppin'? What's going on?
2: All right, well, Mario Cantone is beloved by viewers worldwide as Anthony Marantino on Sex and the City, but he's now revealing that many of his early efforts to establish a career on the comedy circuit were met with pushback because of his sexuality. In an interview this week on podcast, Alison interviews Cantone recalled one such instance in which he was cut from the lineup of the tonight show in 1986. Take a listen to how it went down.
6: You know, I was booked on Johnny Carson in October of 86 by talent coordinator and His gut was like, oh my God, when he saw me, he was just like, oh my God, you're amazing. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to shape six minutes. You're going to do this and you're going to be amazing. And then he looked at the video again because he he filmed it that night and he just said, you know what? Your comedy has a gay edge to it and I think it's going to make Johnny nervous, so I'm going to cancel you.
2: Now, he also talks about how um, impersonations of Joan Crawford, Judy Garland, and other LGBTQ icons uh, were a part of his shtick, but would not sit well with then host Johnny Johnny Carson. And uh, you made mention of this in the break, but something I've never forgotten about, he single-handedly tried to take down Joan Rivers' career as she was doing really well. She
4: I mean she he, she literally went from being the it girl used to fill in for Johnny Carson, thought she might take over when he left the show, had her own late night talk show for a little bit and then she got blacklisted for like a decade or or longer because of Johnny Carson. Yeah. Back in the day, NBC was the only network that had a late night show. And you went through Johnny Carson if you're a comic. Yeah. He built the careers of like Ray Romano, Jay Leno, David Letterman. Yeah. And David Letterman actually got his stamp of approval to take over for him. Uh, and NBC went behind his back and ended up giving the job to Jay Leno, which was why we got The Late Show over on CBS. David Letterman, CBS, didn't have a Late Show at the time, and they gave him a massive contract. He made a lot more money than Jay Leno did, even though Jay Leno ended up beating him in the ratings for most of his run. For the first couple years, Letterman just clocked him left and right. Yeah. There's a whole documentary series on, I think, Netflix that I watched recently, The Late Night Wars, and it's incredible. It shows like sort of how it all went down, and Johnny Carson was the guy, if you want of the career in comedy.
2: Yeah. Well, it's crazy. That's totally true. Also, uh, with with Mario Cantone, he ended up doing really well, but it did uh, mess up his confidence a little bit and I can imagine so he did go later on to marry theater director Jerry Dixon in 2011 and then started the third season when his character Anthony was introduced as a wedding planner for Charlotte York played by Kristen Davis he went on to appear in the original series remaining three seasons as well as two feature films so he ended up doing really well he's of course in Just Like That now but it's crazy you never know how somebody got their start or didn't get their start yeah and And you gotta
4: think 1986 This is, like, the height of, like, the HIV, like, scare. The epidemic is taking place. Johnny Carson had a choice to either, like, be on the right side of history or the wrong side, and he was on the wrong side.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right, coming up in the next hour, after Starbucks ranked as the most used mobile paying app in 2019, even outranking Apple Pay, one TikToker thinks Starbucks is actually a bank. And we'll tell you why this theory feels right coming up in the next hour.
0: worker of yours
6: how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage get cox internet powered by fiber with america's fastest download speeds it's internet built for tomorrow today
5: The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q.
4: Coming up this hour is Starbucks secretly a bank. Has it never actually been a coffee shop? Have we all been duped? We're having that conversation. There's a video gone viral recently, and it's a really, they make a really compelling case. We're going to let you decide. We're going to play the audio for you and let you decide coming up this hour. Then on our next hour, it's Therapy Thursdays. We're joined by Anna Poss, uh, and we're going to be talking about relationships, how to fix them, how to avoid messing them up. Uh, I think it's something we can all relate to uh, every day of the week. So <laughs> luckily, it's Therapy Thursdays. Right now, though, it's time for some news on the beat. Um, why did they say on like that? I don't know. But here we on are. On the beat. It's news on the beat. What all do right, you got?
2: Virginia House of Delegates subcommittee rejected a resolution that sought to repeal a state constitutional amendment. That defines marriage as between a man and a woman. The Republican-led House Privileges and Elections Subcommittee struck down the resolution that State Delegate Mark Sickles introduced by a 6-4 margin. State Senator Adam Eben has introduced an identical resolution in the state Senate. Virginia voters approved the Marshall Newman Amendment in 2006. Same-sex couples have been able to legally marry in Virginia since 2014. The General Assembly in 2021 approved a resolution that seeks to repeal the Marshall Newman Amendment. It must pass in two successive legislatures before it can go to the ballot. Uh, this morning, Virginia Republicans continued their assault on LGBTQIA individuals by killing an amendment that would have removed Virginia's now defunct marriage equality ban from the state constitution, said House Democratic leader Eileen Filler-Korn in a statement she released after Tuesday's vote. All right, Amy Schneider has quit her day job following her record-breaking Jeopardy run during which she racked up $1,382,800 in winnings. California-based Schneider had worked as a software engineering manager before landing her spot on the syndicated quiz show and etching her name into history. And the Ohio native revealed to her more than 130,000 Twitter followers on Tuesday that she found the prospect of stepping into new pastures nerve-wracking. Some of you may have heard, but I quit my day job yesterday, Schneider tweeted... It's a bit nerve-wracking to pivot from software engineer to public figure, I guess. But regardless of the outcome, I'm so excited to spend the next couple of years at least tackling this new challenge. During her time on the show, Schneider made a huge impact, becoming the first transgender woman to qualify for the Tournament of Champions. She is also the highest-earning woman in Jeopardy! history with the longest win streak. My favorite thing about this article, though, is the fact that they just led with... Amy Schneider. We did not find out that she was a trans woman making history until the very end of the article.
4: No, All I heard is that she's from Ohio. Yeah. That's that's all I cared about. Yeah. Very smart people come from Ohio. Very, very smart people. I love it. Not that many.
2: I think it's great. All right. Let's get into some weather. It's going to be a high of 54 in New York, 90 in LA, 75 in Vegas, 88 in Palm Springs, 72 in Houston, and 88 in La Quinta. Now give us a vibe of the day.
4: Quality is not an act, it's a habit. Love. Make good habits.
2: Make good habits. All right, coming up, uh, this is super interesting, but it totally makes sense. After Starbucks ranked as the most used mobile paying app in 2019, outranking even Apple Pay, one TikToker thinks Starbucks is actually a bank. Is she on to something we'll discuss next? The Morning Beat with AJ and
5: Michaela. Channel Q.
4: So a few years ago when I was writing my book, I spent a lot of time at Starbucks. There was a Starbucks reserve, which is like the fancy one. They have like nice leather chairs and they have a lot more access to internet and like nice tables to sit at so I could feel like I was at a different location every single day uh, And I, with my little laptop and my a little cup of coffee that was way overpriced and I had work on my book right? Little did I know that I might have actually been writing my book at a bank and not a coffee shop. Confused? Yeah, I understand. Uh, There's a viral TikTok video, though, that might explain it, and then we're going to discuss.
5: When people load money onto their Starbucks app, they are essentially storing their money in the bank of Starbucks. At the end of 2019, the app held 1.5 billion dollars in balances. That's more than many U.S. banks have in deposits. But unlike a bank, this money can only be used to buy Starbucks coffee and products. This is great for Starbucks in two ways. One, Starbucks can use this money however they want, whenever they want, before it's even used to purchase coffee. So basically, we're giving Starbucks a free loan. And two, they are not required to follow
2: the regulations of a bank because you can't make withdrawals like you could at a bank. Wait, what? So this, this is wild. It's nuts to me. I think the craziest part to me was that literally they were reportedly the most used mobile payment app, outranking even Apple Pay.
4: But more people use Starbucks than Apple Pay. Which
2: is crazy because That's you nuts. can use Apple Pay everywhere, anywhere. So to think that people. Use the mobile payment. However, I know that Lisa will literally take, like if her card's not loaded up, she will take that 10 minutes to load up her card. Starbucks? Yes.
4: Same. To then use the
2: mobile payment. Every time. Because of the rewards that you get. You get the stars. Yes. Totally.
4: Also, I'm not even kidding. There was a time when I was writing my book, and this was, gosh, four or five years ago now, and I was pretty broke. Like I wasn't making a lot of money at the time. I really stepped back from my career to really work on the book. And so that was a big a big leap for me and a big commitment. And I didn't have a lot of money in my account. But I, I would hit that little button, reload $25, reload $25. I went to New York City one time and I had like 50 bucks loaded on there. And I was like, well, this, these are my meals while I'm here. I'm going to go to Starbucks because I have money on it. Yeah. And I didn't even think that like, oh, yeah, it's actually kind of like a bank.
2: Well, it's crazy how Starbucks has also turned into so much more than just coffee. I mean, they've got egg bites, sandwiches. I literally went there for lunch yesterday to just have like eggs and a coffee. A
4: thousand percent.
2: But uh, something that was an interesting theory that was like then dividing the opinion was that people are now saying, no, it's just like any other gift card system. Well,
4: it's true. It's true.
2: And then that's a point made. Well,
4: and here's why. Because also, this is the interesting thing. Because she makes the point, you can't take money out of it. Like, once you put the money on the card, you can't take it back. You can't just be like, I want the cash back now. Thank you. Uh, Which makes it not like a bank. It's actually worse than a bank. But it benefits them. Because for a couple of reasons. Like you said, Michaela, they also, on average, get about 10% of that money. That $1.5 billion that they have in cash right now, they can use that however they want. Because the markup on a cup of coffee is about 80%. Seventy to eighty percent is usually what, like high end coffee makers. That's their profit margin. So they're not just holding that money in an account, waiting for you to use it. They're using it. They're building new stores. They're investing it in their company. They're doing it, investing in new products. That money is in heavy rotation. Ten percent of it you'll never get back. Because think about how many people might have a dollar left on a card they don't use it. That adds up. Uh- it's the same thing on gift cards. Yeah. How many gift cards? You lost... I gave you gift cards one time, and you lost them for a long time. Thank God you found them. Yeah. But a lot of people just lose them forever.
2: Well, I lost one forever. When Lisa and I first started dating, I wanted to get her this extravagant Christmas present, and I had gotten a gift card from, like, a job. They were, like... They paid me, and then they gave me these gift cards. So there was, like, $700 on this gift card.
4: $700?
2: And I literally wanted to get Lisa this Apple Watch, and... I buy the Apple Watch with the gift card. I give her the present. She's like, I love it. I just want to exchange it for a different color. I say, okay. We go to the Apple Store. We exchange it. She decides, uh, because they don't have the color that she likes, that she will just uh, take the money and then we'll go back when we can. Somewhere in that transaction, she returns the Apple Watch We have no watch. We have no gift card. We've got Mm. nothing. And there's no way to get it. Like, we tried to go into the emails. We tried to look up receipts. Once that money's gone, it's gone. And now it just belongs to Visa gift cards. Somebody has
4: And also, if you buy, like, a Visa or a MasterCard gift card, during the holidays, it's really popular, right? You buy them. What do you see? There's a charge of, like, $5.95. Because they're covering their costs. And on top of that, you're paying the fee and... Chances are that somebody's not going to use that gift card or they're not going to use all of it. Right. So they're going to make more money off of you. I never really thought of a Starbucks app as a bank before. And now it's wild. It's almost like coffee's just a front. Yeah. It's just like they're they're, like they're the Russian mafia. I mean, you go down Sunset Boulevard, there's a whole bunch of like, like uh, dry cleaners there. There are dry cleaners. They're, they're drug lords. They're Russian drug lords, and it's a front. That's what Starbucks is doing, but it's totally legal.
2: Russian Frappuccinos Russian, coming up next. That sounds delicious. The Morning Beat with
5: AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q.
4: I do care, and I don't love it, actually. Uh, when I am online on like a social media app, and somebody acts like we're friends, and then we see each other in public, and they act like they don't know me. Mm. Uh, It's being called toxic gay culture in a tweet that has gone viral. There's an article on Queerty about this if you want to follow along. And here is the here's the tweet. Gay culture is someone liking all of your photos, watching your story daily and DMing you on three different apps, but still pretending they don't know who you are in public.
2: I mean, is that like a form of love bombing? Like you're acting like you're like obsessed with this person. What's love bombing? Love bombing. We did a story on it a few weeks ago about this boy. He's called West to Elm. Oh, I
4: remember this. Remember? Yes. And he
2: would like DM these girls. He's all smooth. And he'd be mm-hmm. like, I want to be with you. You're incredible. I love you. We could have a life together. And then he ghosted them. Ghosts them. Mm. So it's like building somebody up so deeply, telling them all the things they want to hear in like a very uh, aggressive way and then being like, bye girl. And then you don't notice them you don't recognize them you don't talk to them in public it's crazy
4: what do you think's going on here because i think there's a lot of different ways to approach this and i I think based on everybody's individual personalities they have different takes on this so somebody liking all of your stuff watching your videos and then seeing you in person and not saying hi to this person they think it's toxic gay culture they think it's awful to me i i'm the reverse actually Because there have been a lot of people who maybe follow me or my partner online. This has happened so many times. And then we are out maybe somewhere for dinner. And then an hour later, we get a DM saying, hey, I saw you at dinner. And I really wanted to say hi, but I was so nervous. And I just wanted you to know I think you guys are great. So for me, I'm like, or maybe they're just actually nervous. Maybe in real life, especially with social media, what it is, and with the pandemic making us more and more awkward by the day because we're not communicating in real life with people. Maybe it's not toxic all the time. Maybe sometimes they're just nervous to say hi.
2: I think that's exactly what it is. I will say that I used to follow this girl, and I remember I went up to her. I finally saw her in public, and I was like, oh, my God, how are you? How's the baby? Like, oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. Like, what's going on? It was in a Target. And she was like, do I know you, girl? And I was like, Michaela. And then I was like, oh my God, you don't know me. I just follow you. I'm obsessed with you. It's yeah. And like, mm-hmm. that can also be the situation. But this guy left a comment underneath this article. And he said, before the pandemic, there was a guy on this social media app. Uh, they didn't ever speak, but he unlocked his nude photos for me. And he showed me everything. All He showed him everything. Mm-hmm. So he never responded because he wasn't looking for a hookup. So following months, Uh, Later, he went to dinner with his mom, and that guy was his server.
4: Wait, no, no, no. Yes.
2: And nobody said anything because mom. And so he said, after I got home, I decided to message him saying that his pics were great, but he was even cuter in person. He completely freaked out and acted like I was stalking him or something. Now if I encounter someone from the apps in real life in passing, I don't acknowledge at all or anything. That's Praxo 7. So that could also happen. Someone thinks you're just like a stalker. Mm-mm. And you're like, I'm not. I just came to eat and I saw you in real life.
4: <laughs> you sent me pictures of your, like literally your genitalia. Like
2: all of the things. There's nothing uncovered. And
4: then served me a fresh burrata and a nice <laughs> steak frites for dinner. And then you're going to be upset that I reached out to you. No, I'm actually the opposite because... My bigger frustration is, and I think you can probably relate to this, especially in this industry, when you interview somebody or you meet somebody or you work with somebody and they're best friends, mm-hmm. best friends on camera or best friends during the, like the moments that you're working together, and then act like they don't know you after that, then maybe don't support you on social media, then maybe don't say hi to you if there's not a paycheck down the road. Because we've definitely had guests, like recently on our podcast, we've had some really fantastic guests, right? Right. And by and large, most of them I, I adore, and we've actually remained in contact. But there are people that are like, you have that conversation, and their producer, Frank, they're always confused by this because they're like, wait, aren't you guys friends now? We're like, oh, no, we said that. We actually would love to be friends, but this person also said that, but they're not going to want to be friends, and they never yeah. do. Oh. And then we try to follow up, and like DM, like, hey, let's do that game night we talked about, and they ghost us. We're like, wait, you were just on our podcast for an
2: oh, hour. Oh, What on earth
4: is going on? And I think people are like that, too, because- I think it comes down to if you're face-to-face, whether it's like on a Zoom or in person, sometimes you just say things just to make people feel nice because you, it's awkward and you don't, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And then, and then when you're not, you're behind like you know a, a phone on an app and you're just texting or whatever, it's easier to not follow up. And also, some people don't want to be rude. And also, some people are just busy. I mean, there's a lot of factors I, I at was, play it's here. Just,
2: sometimes there's just anxiety. Yeah. I mean, I literally was supposed to go to lunch a few days ago with a friend of mine. I was so excited and I was like... Hey, Queen, I'm just kind of like tired. And she goes, I'm having a mental health day and I don't want to go to lunch. Can I see you on Friday? And I was like, the honesty is what we all need. She said, it. I'm having a mental health day. Like, so that's also a good lesson. You could just be like, having a mental health day. Yeah,
4: so I don't know if it's toxic gay culture. I think yeah. that's a little bit unfair. I think it's just humans are awkward.
2: Yeah, We listen, we have enough toxic gay culture, okay? We don't need to add to the list. And I don't think this belongs here. Now coming up, find out what Kanye West's new girlfriend thinks of the comparisons with Kim Kardashian and why she thinks it's really all a ploy in What's Poppin'
5: Morning B, Channel Q.
4: Coming up in our next hour, it's Therapy Thursdays, and we've got an expert joining us with advice on things to avoid saying in relationships, to avoid problems, uh, something we can all relate to. We're having the conversation in our third hour. Stick around for that right now, though it's time for What's Poppin'. Michaela, what do you have?
2: Okay, well, Call Her Daddy podcast has gotten a lot of attention lately. They snagged the interview with Jamie Lynn Spears, which went completely viral But now they're talking to Kanye West's new girlfriend, Julia Fox. I will admit, I never heard of Julia Fox before. I was getting like Russian vibes. Uh, But she's become super popular, obviously. And she was on the podcast talking about how it feels being compared to Kim Kardashian. And honestly, her answer as a woman lit my heart up with so much joy. Take a listen.
8: Well, we've worn some of, like, the similar looks, right. um, which I knew at the time of wearing them. I knew that Kim had worn it previously, but I thought
5: it was cool that she had worn it.
8: Right, <laughs> and she's iconic. Yeah, like, it wasn't even a thing, but it, it is unfortunate because women are always just being pitted against each other and and obviously, like, you know, there's 10 years of history that they have prior and, like, I, I'm not going to You know i don't want to ever like step out step out of line and like speak on something that like i have no place speaking on
7: like when someone was like oh they're both wearing balenciaga i'm like wait can yeah we can't all wear
8: that well if anything i feel like the conversation should be like wow it's amazing to see how heavily influenced kim was by kanye
2: I just feel like this was the best way that she could have answered this. I feel like oftentimes women get trapped. She's dating the ex-husband of one of the most famous women in the world. And to just handle it with so much class, to not... Go after Kim Kardashian to say, hey, I'm inspired by Kim Kardashian. Because the truth is, that's how women, and I think people in general, always feel. If you're inspired by somebody and you want to wear what they're wearing, you say that. She also, let me just note, the 32-year-old just had a baby a year ago. Um, I didn't know that. I do know that her weight and her body was being criticized at one point. Um, and it just goes to show you again, like her body is healing. She just had a baby and uh, I, I, I have so much more respect for her. I love her.
4: Well, Also, Kim Kardashian is literally the most iconic fashion figure of our generation. She just is. She has become Kanye did a lot of that, um, but there's no there's no winning if you try to like compare yourself to her actually there's no winning there's nothing in it for this this young woman to be like yeah i'm trying to outdo her looks because you're not going to it's not possible so you have to carve your own lane you have to like create your own space and you can't be compared you can't allow yourself to be compared to kim because you're not going to win that battle like it is just is what it is you might be the most phenomenal person in the entire world it's just the mega machine that has created kim kardashian this brand you can't compete with it. Yeah, so I think she did the right thing.
2: I think so too. Where I always want to give Kim Kardashian and any woman credit where it's due, I will say there was a huge episode on Keeping Up with the Kardashians where Kanye went to Kim and said, get rid of every single thing in your closet and I will replace it. And Kim was like, I can't, I don't want to. And he was like, get rid of it. If you want to sit with the people at Vogue, you have to get rid of it. They didn't take her seriously yet as a fashion icon. And because of his influence in her trust in her ex-husband and obviously then continuing on the brand by herself, he really did have so much influence. And I think that's what um, Julia is also trying to say. And, and I think she just handled it really Isn't it well. is
4: wild, though, that the guy that's known for making, like, monochromatic sweatsuits a thing is this, like, iconic fashion genius. Yeah. Like, he's really smart.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. Listen, I think the conversation was really smart, and Julia, uh, I really like you now. Uh, now, coming up today in Therapy Thursdays, find out what's the most damaging phrase you can use in a friendship and what not to do with our licensed clinical professional counselor specializing in anxiety and drama coming up in the next hour. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q.
4: Get ready to jump into some therapy. That's right. It's Therapy Thursdays here on The Morning Beat. Phrases that could make or break a relationship. We've got a licensed therapist uh, joining us to have that conversation in about 13 minutes from right now. So stick around for that. Currently, it's time for news on The Beat. Some really interesting findings uh, in the world of HIV and, and the infection rates. Michaela, what's going on?
2: Yeah, recent data from the UK Health Security Agency has revealed that heterosexual people in the country are now contracting HIV at higher rates than gay and bisexual men. In 2020, 49% of new HIV cases were diagnosed in heterosexuals, while 45% were diagnosed in gay and bisexual men. Experts say that the rise in cases among heterosexuals can in part be attributed to the fact that this group does not feel as at risk for contracting HIV and so does not take the proper precautions. For example, the data shows that in 2020, as a result of the pandemic, HIV testing by sexual health services decreased 33% among heterosexuals and only 7% among gay and bisexual men. In a bipartisan, the U.S. House of Representatives approved a bill that enhances the United States' commitment to protecting LGBTQ rights around the world, introduced by Out Gay Representative C David Cicciolini, which is so Italian, and still I had to Google that, co-chair of the LGBTQ Equality Caucus, the Global Respect Act would prohibit those who have committed LGBTQ human rights abuses abroad from obtaining a visa to enter the United States. In his own statement... Uh, Cicciolini, who introduced the bill along with Representative Brian Fitzpatrick, acknowledged the dangerous trend of increasing violence targeting lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and intersex people and their families. He said that in too many places, violence against LGBTQIA plus communities is pervasive and even sanctioned or directed by government officials. All right, let's get into weather. It's going to be a high of 88 in La Quinta, 88 in Cathedral City, a high of 55 in Kansas City, 90 in Los Angeles today, 75 in Vegas, and 88 in Palm Springs. Now give us a five of the day.
4: Quality is not an act, it is a habit. Yeah. Create good habits.
2: Create good habits. All right, coming up... Uh, Today in Therapy Thursdays, find out what's the most damaging phrase you can use in a friendship and what not to do with our licensed clinical professional counselor specializing in anxiety and trauma coming up next.
5: Good morning, B. Channel Q.
4: That is Light Switch by Charlie Puth. Love the bop. Uh, right now it's time for Therapy Thursdays, though, and we're talking about the most damaging phrases you can say in a friendship, relationship, uh, things to say to get the outcome that you want, and also things to avoid saying uh, to kind of break things up, right? It's something that we all deal with all the time. So here to help us with our Therapy Thursdays this week is Anna Posse, a licensed clinical professional counselor and owner of Modern Solutions Counseling in Chicago, and, uh, Anna Paul, thank you so much for being here. So, so right off the top of the right off the top of the gate, right here, what what should we avoid in relationships? Like, what sort of things should we avoid in conversations? Whether it's a friendship, a relationship, a partnership, uh, what are some phrases to like steer clear of?
8: You know, the first one that comes to mind um, that I hear a lot from people is. Being constantly asked if you are mad at someone. Mm -hmm. You know, I think sometimes uh, we have friends or partners who are constantly asking, are you mad at me? And they tend to do that maybe if there's a change in communication frequency or pattern. The problem with it is, is that it's really stressful having to constantly reassure someone that you aren't mad at them. Um, it's, it's exhausting emotional labor. And what's ironic about it, having to do that all the time, do all that reassurance, can cause your friend to feel differently about you. It can cause frustration and resentment, you know, the things you were trying to avoid in the first place probably.
2: Yeah. uh, Anna, thank you so much. It's Michaela. Thank you for joining us. One thing I think people are trying to navigate as well is... I'll say for me personally, I didn't speak to a lot of people during the pandemic. I was dealing with the death of my grandma. I was dealing with life stress. And now that I'm sort of going back into the world, I'm seeing people that I was really good friends with and saw very frequently before the pandemic. And there's sort of an awkwardness. Even at one point I was like, hey, you didn't call me about my grandma. And they were like, girl, I didn't even see it. I was off social media because I was going through Mm -hmm. some things. So how do you navigate those conversations?
8: Yeah. Well, first, I just want to give you my condolences. I'm so sorry about the loss of your grandmother. And, and thank you for sharing, you know, with people and with me uh, that loss and how you needed support then and what it was like for you not to get it. And you make an excellent point. You know, I think sometimes we forget that the pandemic has been a human-species-wide traumatic event. We've all been affected by it differently. We're all processing it differently. And sometimes, you know, that anxiety, grief, or depression that we've been experiencing makes it really hard to communicate with people and make it hard to connect with people. And I will also say one thing that we're seeing now, as you know, the pandemic goes on and restrictions are being lessened, is that there's a lot higher rates of social anxiety. People are really anxious and nervous about talking to people again. It's almost like uh, that kind of communication and relationship muscle um, kind of atrophied during the pandemic. Uh, people lost practice, and they they feel uncomfortable and are not sure how to navigate these situations anymore.
4: That's really- Really fascinating. It's this, this a conversation we've had here on the show and, and to your point that you know, the the phrase, are you are you mad at me? Are you upset with me? And sort of yeah. carrying that into your relationships. Um, it's so common. But but what is what is the root of that? Like, what, in your opinion, gets somebody to the point where they just assume everybody's always mad at them? Because I've been guilty of it at times in my life as well. Um, but I also have, have dropped relationships because I feel like they're too needy because they always are asking me that question. So I've been on both sides of this. What's the root of it, though?
8: That's a great question, and it's a lot of different things. You know, first, it could be uh, past experiences, right, especially people who are survivors of abuse. Um, They uh, feel insecure in relationships and how people feel about them. But to your point, you know, 9 out of 10 times, the issue isn't really you worrying about how your friend feels about you. It's about your own feelings, your own experiences, Sometimes we're, we're always asking for about if people are mad at us or how they feel about us because we fear rejection. Mm. The idea of rejection actually activates the same parts of our brain as physical pain. Yeah. It's this evolutionary adaptation because our ancestors' survival depended on not being rejected and abandoned by the pack, Right. So for some people, that fear of rejection can be overdeveloped and become maladaptive. So this questioning all the time is a validation-seeking behavior, um, a way to get reassurance that you can't give yourself to soothe that anxiety, to soothe that fear of rejection. And here's the problem, is that if that's the issue, there really isn't a stopping point. There's always going to be need for more reassurance, more reassurance. Uh, validation until you address what's driving that need. Why is that fear of rejection so acute? What is that? And another thing that I want to highlight is that, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome in the workplace, but we don't talk about how it can manifest in other areas of our lives, including our relationships. So, if you struggle with self-esteem and self-compassion, imposter syndrome can show up in your interactions with the people you care about. Wow. So.
4: Yeah, we've never experienced that-, that before. Never, ever. Never, I, never, I don't not, know what you're talking not about. An ounce of imposter, I do no. not relate to this we,
2: conversation. I could pretty much hang up. We deserve everything
4: know. in our lives. Yep. Totally. <laughs> (laughs)
2: You know, Anna, I do want to talk about imposter syndrome, though, because if people are dealing with self-esteem issues, I will say for myself, I've put myself into therapy. I think a lot of people did after the pandemic and during Mm -hmm. because we had a lot of time with ourselves Um, Mm -hmm. as we're navigating with some new tools that we have. But dealing with the same relationships, be it friendships, um, love interests, parents, um, how do you maintain the same friendships while having new tools, new self-esteem, new self-worth without making anybody feel bad and still also being like, hey, I'm presenting like a person that I'm working on now. Wait, why
4: are you looking at me? Why are you looking into my eyes? What's,
2: what's
4: happening? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, Okay, help. but seriously, yeah, I, I, I was serious <laughs> <laughs> So,
8: you know... It's actually, it can feel really scary and different to show up in different ways. But what I'll also say is that at the same time that there's that fear, there's the possibility for excitement that your relationships can be richer. The tools that you use are going to help you communicate and get on a deeper level with people, and you're going to be able to be present in a way you weren't before. So I you know, what I try to focus on is be curious about the fear, but don't let it stop you. Let it come along for the journey and don't let it overshadow the possibility and excitement. Um, You know, one thing that we know is that anxiety has the same physiological profile as excitement. So, when you're when you have these new tools, when you are this different person, how can you manifest that anxiety and turn it into excitement um, for the new you and the the new phase of your relationships?
4: All I heard was we could be richer. I'm still hung up on that part. We could be richer. So I'm thinking more of my bank account and less of my soul, but whatever.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Anna, thank you so much for joining us. Are there any tips that you can leave us with in the last minute to really just ensure that communication is being had between any relationship and how to maintain in the best way friendships and relationships that are important to you?
8: You know, one of the best things that we can do is simply ask our friends and the people we care about how they are. We're all struggling right now. And if we're unsure about where a relationship might be um, or how it's going to move forward, all you have to do is just notice and 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 tell the other person what you've noticed. Um, give them an opportunity to share with you. Um, and also reassure people to, that you are there for them to listen and support. I, almost every single time, that is going to enable you to have the healthy, loving relationships that you want.
2: Anna Paz, thank you so much. Licensed clinical professional counselor and owner of Modern Solutions Counseling in Chicago. Thank you so much for joining us and leaving us with such great advice. Thanks, y'all. I appreciate it. All right. Coming up, Australians could soon have to prove their age before watching porn. Is this something we should be adopting
3: in America? No. I think yes. (laughs) Searching for a parenting podcast you'll actually want to listen to? One that covers everything from how to deal with picky eating, how to grieve a pregnancy loss, and how to not hate your partner after having kids. Well, your new favorite podcast, After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings, is here. Hosted by two BFFs, this is a no-shame parenting podcast. Listen to and follow After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts.
4: How How do we feel about porn, Michaela?
1: God. I'll I tell like you this. It. if
4: my mom Ooh, I, like like, it. I, I like it too <laughs> I, I, this is interesting because I was in therapy yesterday and my therapist I told my therapist the story about um uh my partner okay just full transparency my partner got an email from OnlyFans saying hey we love your account executives uh, here noticed you and we'd love to help you start an mm-hmm. OnlyFans account we will promote you and all this other stuff and we have friends who have made like hundreds of thousands of dollars in like a month on OnlyFans listen right listen to me it's so, the way to go so we're having this conversation I brought up to my therapist and she's like But how does it make you feel? I'm like, I always have two thoughts all the time. I have this thought. I'm like, they're lazy. They're using their money. It's disgusting. How dare they? Then the other thought is, I'm so jealous. I'm envious that I'm not that comfortable in my own skin. I know. And I think it's so awesome what they're doing. It's empowering. She's like, no, 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 no. Okay, I don't want you to think about it. Your first initial feeling. What is your feeling about OnlyFans? I said, it excites me. And she was like, that's it a real feeling. You. And that is not a bad feeling. That is not a wrong feeling. That's how you really actually feel. So that's that's true. It excites you. Same thing with porn. I love porn. I grew up thinking porn was the dirtiest thing in the world. And if it, if, if my mom ever found out my dad watched it, she'd probably divorce him. Like, that's the kind of the context I grew up. Dirty. Well, now in Australia, they're, uh, they might have to soon prove their age before Watching porn. The government says it's a trial. We're doing a trial right now of age verification protocols for porn. Now, that's a different conversation. What do you think about that, though? Do you think you should be a certain age before you watch porn?
2: Okay. To just bounce off of what you said when you watched porn when you were little, they had the HBO channels, 61 and 62. Oh,
4: or Cinemax, we called it? Yes. Yeah, Cinemax.
2: <laughs> yes, and my cousins used to dare me. I was the only girl to sit in the room, in my Uncle Dino's room, for one minute and watch it. And then I would complete the minute. dare. Yes. Wow. But it was risky, because you could get caught. And if you did, you are in a lot of trouble. But I remember seeing it and being like, oh my God, this is so hot. I was like 10. However, when I went on to have sex later on in life honey, I was whipping this weave around so much I gave myself whiplash, and I wasn't receiving any pleasure because I thought that's what it looked like. (laughs) Porn
4: sex is not fun. It's
2: not. And so I think that there should be a ban for kids who are watching porn, not because I think sex is dirty, not because I think it shouldn't be conversations that are had. It's just unrealistic expectations that... You bring into the bedroom when you're old enough. I, I'm
4: I'm kind of okay with this. I think maybe 18 or whatever, whatever. When you're an adult, because I think I think a child's mind uh, can be manipulated so easily, though. And, and and I'm all for porn as an adult, but I think as a kid watching it, it does. It sets these expectations up that are not realistic. They're not healthy. And listen, I enjoy porn sometimes with my partner. That's really fun, but also. I would not enjoy it with him if we didn't have a healthy relationship, if we didn't have communication, if we weren't comfortable with ourselves. And and we, listen, we all have kinky sides. We all have like stuff that we maybe don't admit even to our best of friends. And 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 that's not me telling you that there's something I need to tell you. I secretly, literally
5: was but like, maybe what that I don't know. <laughs> maybe it is.
4: But I'm I'd be a freak sometimes. I'm into some stuff. Um <laughs> but I think this is not a terrible thing. I think maybe maybe putting some sort of age restriction on pornography is not the worst thing in the entire world. Um, I remember when... Um I was in my 20s though. I fell in love with SeanCody.com. and I'll tell you what: if I found SeanCody.com when I was a teenager, I probably wouldn't have graduated high school or college. So, <laughs> the good thing I didn't know about. It. So wait, maybe a what band is isn't SeanCody.com? It? Oh, it's hot. it's hot! It's hot! It's a lot of it's a lot of white guys, there's one one black guy in particular that I really had an eye for, and his name was Landon.
2: Vanessa, I don't, know his, I don't know his real
4: name. You probably can't at work. Don't oh, wait, do it don't it on work. A work. Don't do it, work I'll do it on my computer. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what: it's it's hot. It's good. Okay, so
2: we agree. My
4: teenage mind was not ready for it, though, so thank God.
2: Okay, so porn should be banned for children. However, for adults... Go for it. Get an OnlyFans, baby. The Morning Beat with
5: AJ and Michaela. Channel Q.
4: Coming up in our final hour today, we've got Red, White, and Q with our political expert joining us to talk about all of these books being banned across the country, yet somehow Joe Rogan still has a $100 million Spotify deal for his popular podcast. Uh, What does that say about us as Americans? Uh, He's joining us to have that conversation in our next hour. Right now, though, it's time for some What's Poppin'? Michaela, what do you have?
2: Okay, well, we were all pretty devastated to hear about the death of Bob Saget, but we weren't really sure what caused the death. He was out of town, on tour doing his comedy routines, and all of a sudden... Well, he was whenever, pronounced dead.
4: Yeah, whenever somebody's found dead in the hotel room, you, the, the first assumption is drugs.
2: Especially comedians. Of course. I Maybe mean, no offense, but yeah, they're or, dealing or with suicide, a lot of
4: suicide, like something tragic, right? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, one month after the Full House Star was found dead, uh, it's coming out that he did die due to head trauma. The authorities have determined that Bob passed from head trauma. The Saget family said just yesterday, um, and they've concluded that he accidentally hit the back of his head on something. Thought nothing of it mm. and went to sleep. No drugs or alcohol were involved. Saget's family added that they've been overwhelmed with the incredible outpouring of love from Bob's fans in the weeks since his death. Now I don't want to get all WebMD on you, but I'm gonna think twice now when I hit my head on literally anything.
4: It's terrifying. That's.
2: Terrified. Or are you
4: lean over and you forget you leave a cupboard open and you stand up and you bump your head. Like You might not have that experience because you're five, foot <laughs> five nothing and I'm 6'5. So I hit my head on everything, literally.
2: Well, listen, you just talked about a snowboard experience yes. during the break. And Lisa just two weeks ago fell so hard and smacked her head on mm. the ground. Thank God she had the helmet. But I feel like everyone needs to be... Thinking twice now when hitting your well, head. Well,
4: did you see the video going viral of a good, good friend of mine, Heather McDonald, the comedian? <gasps> she was yes. on stage down in like Phoenix, I think, like this last weekend or something, week or so. She was with Justin Martindale, your good friend. Yeah. And they were performing, and she literally mid set falls backwards, just cracks her head so hard, so hard on the stage. And she was in the hospital because of it. Like that stuff's scary. She just passed out.
2: Yeah. It's mm. I mean, honestly, like I I know that it's important. We always are pushing our health, but especially after this pandemic, especially if you've had COVID, you really have to be more uh aware of your body. But this is really scary. We're gonna have a, a conversation with the doctor tomorrow. On how to continue staying, where if you've hit your head, what's the first thing you yeah, should do? Yeah, are there signs
4: like, that, 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 that could be detrimental to your health? Like, when do, you, when do you go get it checked out, and when do you just kind of, like, shrug it off and keep going?
2: Totally. Because I'm going to say, I'm going to shrug it off and keep Same. going, girl. So, that I, I'll think twice now. All right, coming up, banning LGBTQ books in schools. Uh is crazy but calling joe rogan's podcast freedom of speech is crazier we're joined with our political expert to talk about where to draw the line when it comes to banning coming up
5: the morning beat with aj and michaela channel q
4: Coming up this hour, books are being banned. So why is Joe Rogan still making millions of dollars for using racist rhetoric? We discuss with our political expert in Red, White & Q in about 13 minutes. Stick around for that conversation right now, though it's time for news. No, you're just going to leave? It's
2: not. Because you know what? You're just going to walk away? I can't stop laughing in my mind. Why? Me and AJ were having a conversation off air and I said, okay, I'll fix it. And he goes... What are you, some mafioso boss with your gold chain? Your well, she's black literally album. wearing all
4: black, black hair, a big gold chain. She's like, hey, you, you have a problem, you bring it to me, I'll fix it. I'm like, you are so Italian right now. I know,
2: but I was going to get the giggles during the news, so I had so to, you had to get acknowledge it, out. it
4: right now. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty funny, so it is what it is. It
2: was so stupid. What okay, do you have for us? Ready. A Virginia House of Delicates subcommittee rejected a resolution Wait, wait, wait,
4: wait. Did you call them delicates? Like, like lingerie, like bra and underwear. Let's
2: Savage X Fenty.
4: Start that sentence over.
2: A Virginia House of Savage X Fenty subcommittee rejected a
3: resolution.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, a Virginia House of Delegates subcommittee rejected a resolution that sought to repeal a state constitutional amendment that defines marriage as between a man and a woman. The Republican-led House Privileges and Elections Subcommittee struck down the resolution that state delegate Mark Sickles introduced by a 6-4 margin. State Senator Adam Eben has introduced an identical resolution in the state Senate. Now Virginia voters approved the Marshall Newman Amendment in 2006. Same-sex couples have been able to legally marry in Virginia since 2014. The General Assembly in 2021 approved a resolution that seeks to repeal the Marshall Newman Amendment. It must pass in two successive legislatures before it can go to the ballot. This morning, Virginia Republicans continued their assault on LGBTQIA plus individuals by killing an amendment that would have removed Virginia's now defunct marriage equality ban from the state constitution, said House Democratic leader Eileen filler Corn in a statement she released after Tuesday's vote.
4: What's Eileen's last name again?
2: Eileen Fillercorn. Fillercorn. (laughs) Fillercorn. Got it.
4: it. God bless her.
2: (laughs) Okay, let's get into weather. A high of 88 in Palm Springs, 72 in Houston, a high of 75 in Vegas, 90 in LA, and a high of 54 in New York. Is it crazy to you that it can be 90 degrees in Palm Springs Mm -hmm. and just... 50 degrees in New York.
4: It's called weather, Michaela.
2: I would hate to be in New York. You
4: know what's crazy to me? Last night I picked up my dog Kingston, tried to hug him and cuddle with him because uh, I just love him to death. And he got so wily and started throwing his body around, he chipped my front tooth.
2: Stop.
4: <gasps> he
2: did chip it.
4: I got to get shaved down at the dentist. That's, Stop. Why, that's more wild to me than 50 degrees in New okay. York and 90 degrees in Palm Springs. I'll
2: give it to you. That is more wild. My
4: puppy chipped my tooth.
2: Kingston, stop being a bad boy. He's yeah. a bad
4: boy, but he's a vibe, and here's your vibe of the day. Quality is not an act. It is a habit.
2: I know that's right. Okay, hope right my, I hope in.
4: my dentist does quality work when I stop by later.
2: Yeah, I hope so, too. Bring Kingston so she can yell at him.
4: I'm going to have her pull one of his teeth out he, just for fun. You
2: guys don't know this, but AJ goes to these iconic like Russian dentists. Oh, my
4: God. They're amazing. That
2: he then sent Lisa to. You. So uh-huh. now Lisa, my girlfriend, goes to them. It's pure chaos. It's chaotic chaos but also the stories are incredible it's
4: almost all women there's like two guys that work there and a bunch of like russian women and they literally just scream and yell and fight with each other all the time (laughs) and you know how like a dentist there's no like doors on any of the 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 rooms so you're in a room and somebody's working on your teeth and she's screaming at somebody in russian in the other room it's it's phenomenal i've been going there for like a decade and i love it
2: yeah lisa loves it all right coming up Banning LGBTQ books in schools, but calling Joe Rogan's podcast "freedom of speech." We are joined with our political expert to talk about where to draw the line when it comes to banning in Red, White, and Q. The
5: Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon,
3: Channel
4: Q. All right, so this is really interesting. So every day, this this I don't want to say dust up because that doesn't do it. Do it, it what? Give it the credit that it's due. Like the the anger about Joe Rogan and his podcast over at Spotify after he's been revealed to use the N-word multiple times and mm-hmm. how he makes $100 million on this deal, uh, while there are books being banned across the country for mentioning queer people, uh, it, it, it feels unbalanced. It feels unfair. Why does he get rewarded for for bad behavior? And then these these perfectly acceptable books are being banned left and right. What's going on in our country? Here to help us make sense of it all right now is our political expert, Ryan Basham for Red, White & Q. Ryan, happy birthday, first and foremost.
2: Happy birthday, honey. Thank you so much.
4: So thank yeah. you for sharing it with us. You sound really thrilled about it. Yeah. Um, uh, but living his life last I,
1: night. I cried a little before this. Just
4: no. Perfect,
2: well, perfect, perfect. Well, I'm going to tell you, to just give you some reference, I was watching this show last night about teen brides. This sounds dark, but it's going to make sense. These teenagers were getting sent off to get married at like... 12 years old, and it was super crazy, right? And then they were getting pregnant, and that sounded crazy. And then once they got old enough, they were like, Listen, I, I want to leave, like, I don't want to be, you know, married, and, and this is crazy. And the point that one of these women made was, She wasn't too young to get married at 12, she wasn't too young to get pregnant at 12, but they said she was too young to get divorced from this predator that she was like forced to marry. And I think that's how Mm -hmm. much sense Joe Rogan being able to keep his podcast makes and us not being able to keep LGBTQ books in schools.
1: Well, you know, there's, it's not just double standard. It's a quadruple standard. I think, um, look, you know, if if liberals and progressives uh, you know, we we say something is offensive to us while well, we're being snowflakes. If conservatives uh, say something is being offensive, it, it is offensive to them, they're protecting their freedom of speech. They're protecting the, the their, their version of what it means to be America. It doesn't really make any sense. I think, you know, I'm a fan of restorative justice. I think people who screw up should be given the opportunity to atone. And that's better for our society than just, you know, making them disappear. But Joe Rogan has screwed up so much and even in his apology about using the n-word you know he he said on the one hand he said something smart which was if you find yourself having to say I'm not racist you've really messed up Mm. that's true Mm -hmm. but also he turned around and tried to kind of explain to all of us how it could, we could use it as a teaching moment.
4: Oh, come on. That's
1: not how one behaves. The, the problem with Joe Rogan is his ego is the size of the state of New York, and, and he thinks he's God's gift to information, which is why— Eleven million people listen to his what, but, disinformation but on COVID thing, and all way, that jazz.
4: Yeah, why is ego so big? because because Spotify gives him a hundred million dollar deal for him They're to have that ego. It. I mean, that that's the frustrating thing. When like, I remember Don Imus for for saying what he said about some some female, I think basketball players years ago, got got booted off the air. And 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 I'm not saying I agree or disagree with that choice, but I'm saying it did happen. Uh, Paula Dean uses the N word one time, and she gets she gets go, She's gone. Like disappears. Joe Rogan. Multiple times, multiple times, and not only is he not getting canceled, he's getting rewarded. And and to your point, Ryan, it's really interesting how the conservative right refers to like cancel culture, cancel culture, cancel culture. We're snowflakes if we don't like something, but they try to cancel everything. Like you're literally trying to cancel like voting rights. You're trying to cancel books, education, information. You're trying to cancel queer people, trans people, athletes. Like there's so many things they try to cancel, and it, it, it's it's do they just not know do they not see the discrepancy do they not see the disparity in what they're actually saying or they just don't care
1: well uh i think what it is is they know um they see the discrepancy but in their minds the things that they are letting persist are the right things and the things that um that they aren't letting persist aren't the wrong things it's not a battle of ideas they're like fighting yeah they're
4: fighting for the soul of america yeah
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, to the point that they're even trying to start up a publicly funded alternative option for public high schools so that they can indoctrinate children with these, uh, what they believe are more correct ideas about what America is, (sighs) including things like whitewashing slavery and the reasons for the Civil War and all of that stuff. I mean, this is where all of this is headed. That's this is why we can't take the high road. I'm not saying they have to take a low road either. But we can't just let these things go on and go, oh, well, that's just a fringe group of society. Their goal is to multiply. They want generations from now for there to be way more Americans who see the world they do than anything else. And that is what leads to The Handmaid's Tale. Well, Ryan, Mm. I
2: want to say that I think that although Spotify isn't taking responsibility, people like Neil Diamond are. They're pulling their music. Brene Brown has pulled her podcast. People that we love and listen to Do you think that's the step in the right direction as in not taking the high road or does it not even matter because the amount of money being spent on Joe Rogan just is so massive?
1: Um, I think unfortunately there is no right way right now. No matter what we do, there are consequences that may not be great. But I think at the end of the day, we have to do something and this is a good something you know, the, the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law. So anything that happens in the private sector, like on Spotify, when people pull their music and pressure Spotify to get rid of Joe Rogan, all of the, none of that is an abridgment of free speech. And so when, when in the private world, people are saying things that that are problematic, that hurt people it is totally acceptable for the rest of us to go, no, we're going to, we're going to boycott. We're going to not let this happen. We're not going to be okay with this until it stops. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's the right thing to do. And I think, honestly, I wish more people would do it because, um, I don't want to make a martyr out of Joe Rogan, but at the same time, what Spotify is doing to contextualize the things being said in his podcast is not enough. It's spreading ideas into people's minds that hurt people
2: yeah mm. Ryan Basham thank you so much for having this conversation with us in the last 30 seconds what are the, some things that we could do just on our own to really start uh you know taking a stand against Joe Rogan and really standing by the beliefs that LGBTQ books should be in schools I mean could we donate LGBTQ books to, to local schools or is there something we can do to help
1: yeah, that, uh, donating books is a great idea. I would say, one, if you have a Spotify account, just write in and tell them you are and, and complain about Joe Rogan and then to um, write to email, find your local school board um, and let them know that you are glad that they have books that accurately cover school. Things like slavery and the role, and what Black people experience in America, and the Holocaust, and LGBTQ issues—you're glad they have those books, and you want them to keep them on the shelves.
2: Mm. I, I love that. I think it's so great. Thank you, Ryan Bauschm. Happy birthday! Thank you for joining us. Enjoy this weekend.
1: Thanks, y'all. I will have a good one. Bye-bye. All
2: right. Coming up, Adidas' new campaign is bearing it all in their new social media campaign, but is it empowering women or exploiting them? We'll discuss next. Tell me something
4: good. As we continue to honor queer black trailblazers who made history throughout Black History Month, let's shine a light on Phil Wilson. A prominent African-American HIV AIDS activist, Wilson founded the Black AIDS Institute in 1992, in part inspired by the death of his partner from an HIV-related illness and his own HIV diagnosis. Now, in 2010, Wilson was appointed to President Obama's Advisory Council on HIV AIDS. Wilson also served as a World AIDS Summit delegate and advocated for the Center for Disease Control for prevention to provide additional funding to black groups so they could also have the resources to educate and mobilize their community around hiv and aids issues now his work resulted in the act against aids program uh, campaign now known as the let's stop hiv together campaign which promotes hiv testing prevention and treatment it had an impact on his personal life uh, and impacted his partner and his, his own life And he took action on it. I think that's really awesome. And and Phil Wilson, we thank you.
2: Absolutely incredible. Okay, my girl is in the headlines. I cannot get enough of Dolly Parton. There's nothing that Dolly Parton has not done in this world. Well,
4: she saved the world last year.
2: She saved the world, and now she's saving her employees. because employees of Dolly Parton's entertainment empire, Dollywood, just got access to future 9-to-5s that previously may have been out of their reach. Dollywood just announced yesterday, I'm sorry, Tuesday, that it would foot the bill for any of its 11,000 employees interested in continuing their education. Hershend Enterprises, the operating partner behind Dollywood, Dollywood splash country, Dolly. Stampede, Dollywood's Dream War Resort, Dollywood Cabins and Pirates Voyage Dinner and Show said that it will start covering 100% of tuition fees and books for any part-time full-time or seasonal employees who wish to go back to school the policy is set to go into effect on february 24th now why this is so incredible as well is starbucks offers a lot of incentive for their employees but she's going as far as any part-time full-time or seasonal employees which a lot of companies don't do you have to be a full-time employee in order to get these benefits and she's covering 100 percent of it i there's nothing Dolly cannot do. It is incredible how she is just making the world a better place, truly.
4: Do you think she'd pay off my student loans if I went and worked there? Honestly, if I just moved to like Pigeon Forge and started working at Dollywood?
2: I, I literally think she would. Like, Here? I think you'd be like, hey, I love you, I need help, and she'd be like, I've, I got you. Well,
4: you mentioned Dollywood Stampede, so I Googled this really quickly, and I remember being a kid and going down to Pigeon Forge, which is where Dollywood is. We didn't get to go to the theme park. I wanted to, we didn't have time, or maybe money, I don't know, uh, my parents were broke. But we did go to something called the Dixie Stampede, and then looking back, I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's still a thing. It actually is the Dollywood Stampede now. It used to be called Dixie, but back in 2018, uh, she had the name changed after becoming aware that the word Dixie, the term Dixie, was associated mm. with confederacy, and it was no longer acceptable. So she, she's just amazing. 2018 was a little bit late to the game, but better late than never.
2: Wait, what is a Jolly Stampede? A bunch so of Dolly's do just step no, all over you because no, I would love it. it's
4: a horse, it's a horse show. Do you remember do you ever go to uh, medieval times?
2: Love medieval times. Same exact
4: thing, but it's the North and the South, the Confederacy versus the Union. And these horses oh my God, and it's like iconic. they reenact like basically the Civil War, which is really problematic now that I think about it. These horses do all sorts of tricks, and you're in this huge arena and you have dinner and you eat your dinner with your hands. It's like half of a chicken, and it's like things that they would have eaten back then. You you drink out of like metal cups and like metal plates, and there's no utensils and Wait, it's a blast. It sounds
2: incredible. It's iconic.
4: You drink out of a boot.
2: Dolly! That's a souvenir yeah. that you can take home with you. So, I love it, it. The closest I've been to is the Excalibur in Vegas. And uh, it wasn't that good, but I just appreciated being there. <laughs> I think the chicken wasn't fully cooked. The
4: trash of it all. (laughs) The the, the salmonella of it all. The trash
2: of it all. All right. Well, thank you, as always, for listening to our show. Thank you to our fabulous guests. We will continue celebrating and honoring Black History Month. We have a great show for you tomorrow as we head into the weekend. But for now, we want to encourage you to stick around. We have three hours of really great music to keep your day going. We'll see you tomorrow.
6: How powerful is Cox Internet?